Welcome back to another edition of the Edge Podcast. Publisher Brendan Slaughter here for BeaversEdge.com. Joined by Beaver's Edge writer Dylan Callahan Crowley as we're breaking down Oregon State's 2024 recruiting class. The Beavers sign 10 new names, a little less than the 13 that we maybe expected going into the morning, but nevertheless, Bray met the media. They talked about the 10 signees. Uh, Dylan, we're obviously going to dive into the class itself. There's a lot to get into, but just uh, first impressions, just uh, I wanted to check in with you. A, how low did the class get? I, th- I think it was three or four at one point, maybe five. And then number two, just your thoughts on, you know, credit to, you know, Trent Bray and his staff for being able to actually get a reasonable and talented, you know, signing class in before, you know, just with the wake of everything that they were dealing with, with Jonathan Smith, essentially, you know, plucking off recruits left and right from that class. Right. Yeah. I, I think the class got as low as six, uh, because they pick, they've picked up seven commits, I think here in the last couple of days. Uh, and I think that puts them at theoretically 13 total in this class. Now, uh, 10, I believe signed here on, uh, Wednesday, they have, uh, posted, you know, a graphic on Twitter of the signees. They've, I, I believe probably sent out a, a release already of the signings as well. Uh, which probably tells you we're not expecting anything here in the immediate. Um, now, four-star wide receiver, top 100 prospect, Ryan Anderson, Jordan Anderson, sorry, is uh, expected to make a decision this week between San Diego State and Oregon State. So we'll see what he ultimately does there. Uh, I, that's going to be a, a very close one here come towards the finishers. A couple other prospects out there that the Beavers are in on that could be making a decision here in the next 24 to 72 hours. They have until Friday to make decisions. If players don't make decisions for Friday, they'll have to wait until February to uh, make the, to sign somewhere. Uh, they can make their commitments at any time, but to sign. Um, sorry, what was the second part of the? Uh, yeah, just yeah. I mean, Trent Bray's ability just to fill the fill the class. Yeah. I mean, and and yeah, not fill right. the class. I mean, you and I have been breaking down the class daily, Dylan, and kind of breaking getting into the guys, and you know, I have and I'm sure you have too in situations I've covered a Oregon state football season in 2017 where, you know, Gary Anderson was let go. The interim staff was brought in. The interim staff offered a whole bunch of guys. And with hindsight, I can say a whole bunch of guys that were maybe space fillers, a whole bunch of guys that, you know, were like, we have to add a guy just to add a guy. Trent Burry made a special point about that during his press conference today saying they felt like they weren't, backed into a corner these were all still talented guys just kind of speak to that a little bit like reassure beaver fans that while they lost a good number of recruits these weren't like a a a step down in talent like they still felt really good about these guys if that makes sense yeah i think the best way to put put it for these guys are maybe guys it's almost to a sense kind of like moneyball uh in baseball they 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 looked at guys that maybe didn't have the highest values across uh, the region, across the country, for whatever reason it may be. The talent level they're facing, maybe it's a size thing, uh, maybe it's whatever it may be. There's some reason they were not as valued as high as other prospects. But you also look at a lot of these guys that they brought in in the last 72 hours or so mm-hmm. have been high production guys at, at, at their high schools. I mean, um, just – what they've added 
You look at a running back, Saladin Allah, I think is his yep. name out of Texas. Couldn't find any stats on him, but you look at that highlight tape, uh, you can see why the viewers liked him. He, he's physical. He has good size already. Um, uh, let me, uh, yeah, to that point, to that point, real quickly, Dylan. Yeah, the yeah. Beavers, uh, when they when when we posted our notebook here on Beavers Edge a few minutes yeah. ago, uh, they dropped some stats with him. Yeah. Uh, he had 650 yards and 11 touchdowns as a senior. Uh, just real quick on the running backs, to your point with that, we've seen pretty, and this has been kind of fascinating to me because you and I have covered it from the beginning. I'll I'll, I'll start by saying this: no disrespect to any recruit specifically, but Dylan. The two running back commitments who flipped from Oregon State to Michigan State, again, just from what we've seen, the Beaver's Edge community was not real high on those two commits. Flip the script a little bit, Trent Bray and his staff bring in two different guys. We've seen the conversation. There's probably not been a bigger conversation on Beaver's Edge this week than those two running back commitments. And, the you know, obviously we all have the same tape. We're all looking at the same things. And, you know, Dylan and I have it look at it through a slightly different lens than a fan does, obviously. But it seems like they, they may actually like these two prospects better than uh, Brandon Tullis and Mackay Frazier. Right. Uh, yeah. And I, and, and I think it, you, it is fair. You look at you look at Brandon Tullis now to his to his. Um, not credit, but to in his defense, in his yeah. defense, he was banged up this season. Couldn't really get it going this year. Um, played on a bad team. That's that. But yeah, the stats when he on was on the field were not totally great. Makai Frazier, um, kind of you know, kind of a little bit of a question mark, just because this is a kid that Oregon State at the time, now Michigan State, recruited as a running back, but for uh, I think it's more. Memorial High School, uh, wherever whatever high school it may have been that uh, Makai Frazier uh, did play at, um, he played mostly linebacker. He didn't play a ton of running back because uh, they also had um, a four-star running back, Brian Jackson, who is signed with USC mm. uh, in the program. They had a few other running backs, but uh, he wasn't even the number two running back, though. He played mostly linebacker. Now, he, mm. when we talked to uh, his coach, Marcus uh, Shivers, over the summer, he said he's you know, a team guy who he'll play wherever needed. But at the same time, you're asking a kid to come into college, play a running back position, in which he didn't play a ton his last year of high school. Now, some people are going to look at that as a benefit and say, hey, this is a guy who doesn't have a lot of mileage on his wheels. Others sure. are going to say, how do you know he's going to be able to come in and, you know, perform at a high enough level to play or be an impact player at, at this level. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's fair to say the stats were not there for those two. Uh, and you look at these two running backs for the Beavers in um, Allah and in um, uh, Cornell Hatcher. Yeah. yeah I mean, Cornell Hatcher. I was, look, I was looking for his stats here, um, but um, Cornell Hatcher rushed for 2,257 yards as a senior and then, as we mentioned before with Allah, uh, 650 yards, a lot of touchdowns as a senior. These are two guys who have been very productive over the last two years of sure. high school football. Uh, Hatcher, 4,000 yards. Uh, he's now a third-generation Beaver. Allah, uh, with a combined 1,500 yards over the last two seasons. Sure. These are guys who have that production. Now, why weren't they highly more highly recruited? that could be due to various reasons. Allah did not exactly play the highest level of high school football in Texas. 
you can see that in his in his yeah. tape it is very much men again uh, <laughs> a man against a yeah. boys yeah um, hatcher um i'll have to look more deep into what what was going on there but you with all these guys that Oregon State did take over the last few days, they all had pretty high production in their senior year of high school football, which yeah, I think is is saying something. Yes, they may not be a highly recruited, but these are guys who showed up in their senior year and performed week in and week out. I mean, um, and and, and I'm not calling them out by any manner, but I think perhaps the lowest production of any commitment over the last few days was uh, Eugene uh, or Sheldon, uh, defensive end, Will Haverland, Haverland, who has defensive end, had three and a half sacks this year, 29 tackles. Not eye-popping numbers, nothing that you're going to, you know, be like, oh, wow, that's a dominant season, but it's still quality numbers. Uh, He had 12 and a half tackles for a loss as a junior as well. So, I mean, he has a history of production, but uh, I, I think like you said, they're not just taking space fillers. They may not have been the highest recruited guys. That is very fair to say, but Mm -hmm. they're taking guys who have shown the ability to produce at a high level on a consistent basis. And yes, it may take a couple of these guys a little bit more time to develop, but once they get caught up in that development, they're going to be guys that they expect to step in and to be able to produce at quality levels. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, last point on those running backs. I mean, you mentioned it, obviously all, I think, you know, Getting a guy from Texas, you know, you're you're going to take that if you're Oregon State. You're you're going to take yeah. a chance on a guy, you know, and obviously right. only comes in as a two star. But again, Trent Bray mentioned him today. He's like, you know, he he was surprised that Ala wasn't more recruited. He's like, he is six foot two hundred pounds yeah. as a high school senior, right? He was particularly yeah. impressed. Hatcher, you mentioned third generation Beave. I think they could be getting a real steal uh, with him from Centennial down there in Corona. I mean, we know California. I mean just even go back to last year, you know, this is different positions and everything, but, you know, Dylan, tell me right now, would Aiden Childs have been a five-star recruit if he was at St. John Bosco playing starting quarterback? Probably. Probably. I mean, yeah, you know, it, it is how it tends to go. You know, in the, in the very least, I mean, he was per rivals, I think the second or third uh, transfer quarterback yeah. in this year's rankings. So, and he was a three-star when he joined Oregon State and, you know, came out of Downey, which wasn't particularly well-known as, like, a football he, powerhouse. And he, did, and he did rise by the end to being sure. a four-star prospect, rivals 250, all sure. that. But, yeah, when, when they when they found it, found him, when they had him committed, he was he was still relative unknown. He was a kid who right. his junior year of high school barely played because of an injury and right. then really broke out that senior season in, for Downey. Um, now, notably, kind of like – Wadala playing in a very talent-rich area, down in California, located is a neighborhood in Los Angeles. Right. So I mean, still playing elite talent, and yes, maybe Alo wasn't playing the highest level of Texas high school football, but it's still Texas high school football, and the lowest level of Texas high school football is still probably much better than the best level of some high school football across the country. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to take I don't want to take any shots, but you know, like I said, like you know, it's uh, you know, I I would be curious to see like a lower level Texas Texas team take on like a you know higher level like Oregon team, just for example. Sure. But uh, nevertheless, uh, let's go ahead and keep rolling. Obviously, Dylan and I just talked about the running backs. Uh, let's stay local. Let's talk quarterback and uh, yeah. Kalen Gutridge from uh, my uh, my neighboring uh, rival town, Dylan. 
Wilsonville, when I was at Sherwood, we, yeah. uh, Sherwood was, you know, when I went to high school, Sherwood was the 5A level. Wilsonville was uh, our direct rival. And, you know, now Sherwood's at 6A, Wilsonville 5A. So not the highest class of um, competition in the state of Oregon, but nevertheless, a kid with good size uh, comes in at six foot three, but 185 pounds probably needs to put on, you know, a little bit of muscle, a little bit of weight. Yeah. Um, I think this is definitely a, you know, like you said earlier, money ball, maybe rolling the dice on his development in a couple right. of years in the, in the program. Like this is not a kid they're expecting to come in and play as a true freshman, right. but maybe, put maybe up a not lot even of yards. as a, yeah, maybe not even as a red shirt fresh. Right. This is a kid that's going to take two, two years probably to develop at the least. Maybe when he's a red shirt sophomore, we stopped, we start talking about him being able to make an impact on the field. Um, I mean, and, not not to give away too much, but um, we we know the Beavers are very active in the transfer portal. Have a shot to land a couple transfer quarterbacks, depending on what they land there. That that could affect the Gudrich timeline as well. But what is Oregon State getting in Gudrich? I mean, you, you look at it. I, I think the best way to put it is projectable. Six foot four hundred ninety pounds, like you said. There's still plenty of weight to put in uh, on that frame. I should say. Um, he, I mean, at, at six foot three, six foot four, he should be able to get up to the 220 pound yeah. mark at some point here. So, I mean, we're talking about 35, 40 pounds over the next couple of years. But beyond that, I mean, a, a proven winner, 41 and five during his four seasons at Wilsonville, led them to a 5A state championship this past season as a big arm, is accurate, 64.7% uh, completion percentage this past season, 53 touchdowns nearly three thirty five hundred 3,500 yards. He, again, production, production, production. This is a kid who, who was very productive for Wilsonville, Wilsonville as a starting quarterback is, is a proven winner and has shown the ability uh, to play against some pretty high talent. Uh, yeah. It, it's on Texas high school football, like we were just saying, sure. but it's still, there's some, there's some pretty damn good talent still in Oregon, especially at the five, a level. Uh, right. and, and he's performed at every step of the way. Uh, when you're in a situation like Oregon State, when you have the transfer portal where you're going to need to take some quarterbacks anyway, you have room to take a quarterback like this who is projectable, who sure. is a little bit of a gamble. Um, if everything goes well, there's a quarterback who definitely can develop into a really nice quarterback for the Beavers. Um, and, and we'll see how that goes, but it, it, patience will be required. This is going to be a, a two, yeah. maybe even three-year process for uh, the uh Wilsonville for sure and it reminds me a little bit of a you know it was before you joined us Dylan but a couple years ago when the Beavers took Sam Vidlack was a uh, a local high school prospect came out of Hidden Valley which is you know pretty small school down in southern Oregon I think that was three or four a competition um, and you know obviously didn't work out for him he ended up transferring and, and doing some different things but I, I said at the time, and I still like it you know I love that Oregon State you know is recruiting in-state quarterbacks I know it's it is rare to find a, you know, power five level, you know, multi-year starting quarterback at the Oregon level. But again, when one of your best quarterbacks in school history and Derek Anderson is from right up the road in Scapoose, you know, I, I do think you occasionally have to kick the tires on the local guys. And, you know, um, I think Trent Bray talked about that a little bit today. And, you know, I mentioned it to Dylan, just how he, you know, talked about wanting to continue 
having a good, strong presence of Oregonians. Um, you know, Jake Cookus has pretty much primarily been the in-state recruiter. Dylan and I haven't heard a whole lot on Mr. Cookus and what his long-term plans are, but at this point, it's it's leaning like he's probably going to be back, you know, for the Beavers, given that they haven't, you know, announced – they've announced pretty much every other hire for the most part, so that's something to keep an eye on too here in the coming days. Uh, but, yeah, definitely uh, agree on all fronts there with uh, um, uh, what he's going to bring uh, under center. And I think, you know, it's 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 always worth it to, I think, kick the tires on a guy that put up good stats, good numbers, and, of course, is local and probably has a burning fire to play for, you know, a, a program like Oregon State or Oregon or any of his local schools. Um, yeah, moving over to I, the offense. I, 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 I would add, and just to build off what you said about um, taking local kids, taking Oregonians, um, and and going back to Allah, you can say the same thing about taking Allah that keeps the Beavers active in the state of Texas, that keeps them yep. in a town-rich area, especially in that Houston area, playing a town down to that, in that area. So keeping that pipeline alive is important. But with the Oregonians, I mean, and yeah, it's going to be tough with the situation and when going up against teams like Oregon, especially for in-state kids. But it, it feels, you know, often – too often that for those in-state kids anymore that it is you know it they they are likely going to Oregon and or out of state they're, they're very rarely it seems to be uh really looking at the beavers now that uh, and Sue Sano in the 2026 class has been taking yep. a deep long look at the beavers so far that's a good start but keeping I I, I think now you don't want to do it and you don't want to stretch yourself to the point that it the kids a huge question mark but taking some of these even if they're a little lower ranked kids keeping that in-state presence i think right. is important for the beavers going forward uh because when one of these schools does produce that rare you know high four-star five-star talent um you give yourself a fighting chance in that recruitment at least uh you right. know, yes it's not going to be easy to recruit that type of town going forward, but plenty of other programs in the country at similar level as Oregon state's going to be has shown the ability to recruit that type of talent. And there's no reason the Beavers cannot do the same, especially considering at least when I look at it, I know a lot of people have, you know, a disappointed view of how things are going for Oregon state, but I think wherever Oregon state does end up, they have a chance to still be a very dominant program in that, whatever conference to, Sure. Division of football, because who knows what college football is going to look like in five years. Wherever Oregon State lands ends up, I think they're going to have a chance to be amongst the premier programs in their level. So, and I think that's going to help them on the recruiting trail going forward as well. So, I, I think yeah. taking guys like Gutteridge is important for that aspect as well. Sure, and when you've got proof in the pudding, I mean, just to add a little bit more context to that, we'll get to the defense here shortly. But like, I think of a guy like Corey Stover who is probably going to be, you know, he played a lot of snaps this year at outside linebacker, could be an outside linebacker starter last year or next year, came from Coos Bay. And if I'm not mistaken, was a two-star recruit and a multi-year project. Same kind of a thing where it's like, this guy's really tall, but really light and needs to add on some weight, really get into the program. And, you know, I just think when you've got guys and or even, you know, someone who like Katano Lodapo, Katano Lodapo's, I believe it was his just overall defensive PFF grade was amongst like the top 25 in the country, Dylan. 
He was a walk-on from Central Catholic when he started his Oregon State career. So I I do think that, you know, when Oregon State has proof of, hey, you come here, you invest in our player development program, you will see the benefits, you know, by the end. So I think that's still a good pitch they can do for some of those guys that are maybe under the radar, maybe get lost in the shuffle with the portal and everything and all that. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, I guess the last thing that we can move on, but – I think going forward, Oregon State absolutely still is a developmental program, first and foremost, because most schools, no, most school, oops, most schools, no matter who you are, even you know, I cover schools like Penn State, um, Minnesota, um, a little bit of Michigan State. Uh, those, those schools aren't, you know, bringing five star talent every year. They rarely do. They they bring in uh, you know some high four stars, some mid-level four stars and so on and so forth. Yes, sure. but at the end of the day, very few schools recruit at ins- the insane levels that everybody would like to recruit. Yeah, at. we're not Georgia. We're not We're not all right. Georgia out here. Right. <laughs> right. And for Oregon State, uh, the foundation of their program is always going to be these mid-three stars who they develop into, you know, four-star, five-star players. Sure. But – with that, I think there you're, you're going to see also going forward a lot of transfer portal. Right, we, we've seen it last year. We're going to see it this year. The Beavers are an opportunity for those those players that maybe got lost in the shuffle at their past school. Right. Um, a Malik Murphy, for example. Malik Murphy is a really good quarterback, really high potential. Could be a really fun quarterback uh, wherever he lands. But at Texas, he got stuck behind Quinn Ewers and then Arch Manning. Sure. Um, and Oregon State is a potential option for him. Um, you looked at, you know, DJU, a guy who didn't meet expectations at Clemson, comes to Oregon State, sure. raises his stock, and now he may end up going to play with a, a team that should have made the college football playoffs this year. Yeah. I, and, yes, they're going to lose guys to transfer portal as well, probably. But I think you're going to see a foundation, you know, maybe 60, per, 60 70% of those mid-level guys. Then you're going to see about – 30 you know 25 35 percent transfer portal and then you're going to hope that you can get some four-star you know high three-star four-star right. prospects every couple years that can be that game changer type talent and all it really takes is one of those players to really make a difference and i think yeah. that's the probably going to be the formula for Oregon State going forward you could probably you know change the numbers around a little bit but i think that's yeah, what you're i agree ultimately- going to see going forward but i guess we should get into the rest of this class uh, yeah we could we could definitely keep rolling no you're good you're good um like i said a lot to break down and you know again thanks for joining us here on the edge podcast uh brendan slaughter dylan kelly and crowley here let's move to the offensive line dylan um let's talk dylan sikorsky first before we get into adam hawks Uh, i like both these guys but i want to but i want to talk first about sikorsky checks in at 6'4 325 with today's updated height weight the big boy big boy Tell, tell me why um, is tell or just tell Beaver fans rather because he's the last guy. He is the one lone recruit from Jim Mahalchik who did not go to Michigan State or elsewhere. Is that because he's the least desirable, or is that just because who he is? And I'm going to throw in real quick as well, Dylan. Uh, he might be my favorite recruit in the class. Uh, based on some of the things Oregon State released to us, Dylan, he wants to be a cattle rancher after his playing career. 
and uh, camping, hiking, and fishing in his spare time. I'm like, okay, this this guy sounds very Oregon State. Um, so just give me your thoughts on that, why he was not like Rustin Young or Peyton Stewart, another Washingtonian, yeah. right? Peyton Stewart's from Kelso. That's an hour up the road from me. So was it Sikorsky wanting to stay local? Was he sold by Devan's brief vision, do you think? Uh, combination of both or just something else entirely, like wanting to stay firm to his original commitment? I think with Sikorsky, I think a lot of it comes down to where, where you're going to be comfortable the most. And, uh, you know, the like you said, he sounds like an Oregon State player based yeah. off his answers. You know, loving the camp. He loves the camp yeah. and the atmosphere of Corvallis. Um, and now, don't get me wrong, East Lansing, uh, I'm, I've heard is a very nice campus, and I'm not, I'm not sure what Mich- if Michigan State showed interest in them once sure. the coaching staff change or whatever it may be. But I mean, this is a kid who who was a really high end offensive tackle prospect out of Sumner, um, sure, a, a quality one to say the least. Uh, has elite size already at six or five, six four four three twenty five. This is a kid who can, who is almost you know college ready from a physicality right. standpoint. He'll he'll probably need to. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he actually loses a little bit of weight before he sees the field. Uh, maybe turns some of that three twenty five into you know 315 with a little bit more sure. muscle than than body fat um but i i think i think it comes back to being comfortable and you know i think because i'm not sure he was necessarily a guy who was you know when everything happened was you know 100 percent. maybe he was I, I i didn't get talked to too much but um I, i'm sure like Every recruit did. He had some question marks after Jonathan Smith sure. left. But I think, you know, Kyle Devan is a high, you know, a, a very well-respected offensive line coach, sure. high relationship guy. I've heard a lot of good things about him already. I think that helped. But I think just, you know, being comfortable where you're going to be for the next four years, despite whoever the coaching staff may be, is big for him. And I, he had other options, that's for sure. But uh, – yeah, that's a good question of why he ultimately chose, chose to stay. Um, It'll be something for us to definitely, you know, eventually either before he ultimately signs and lands talking to him or after he eventually signs and lands. And that, that's just curious because, you know, Dylan, uh, at one point, I think Oregon State had five or six offensive line commits. It was a big class. And, you yeah, know, it was, it, was whittled, a, it, was, it was a really nice class. And it was whittled down to Sikorsky. So I, I don't know. There's a. There's, there's an interesting question for me there, but nevertheless, a four-year starter. Uh, just, again, like I said, a guy that looks like he lives and breathes Oregon State. Um, speaking on the offensive line, too, uh, let's go ahead and move over to Adam Hawks. This is a guy who definitely was on Kyle Devan's radar, I would say, probably when he was the offensive line coach at Colorado, uh, coming out of uh, Harriman, Utah. Again, six foot five, two eighty, probably – uh, going to project into you know more of a um, more of a tackle I would say but again you know Trent Bray talked about how this guy's still growing <laughs> and uh, that's kind of interesting so I think he's again going back to our kind of reoccurring theme more of a developmental piece but yet again another guy like I'll take you know 6'5 280 you know for a guy that is only you know a two-star coming out of high school and again we say stars I know that you know those listening are like probably don't want to hear about stars and we only say it as a reference tool that's not like dylan and i have just gave our whole spiel about why we think oregon state can develop guys into better players but we use it as a reference tool and 
Um, yeah, for the most part, Dylan, I think when you consider that they weren't able to hang on to anybody but Sikorsky, um, and then you figure in they're going to add in Van Wells and uh, Gerard Lichtenhan, or Christian Lichtenhan from Colorado, two guys who I would expect to start. Um, this yeah. is fine. Like, you know, you – um, you know, you've you've seen it as well too. Well, it remains to be seen if anybody else looks to leave. But Dylan, Jim Mahalchuk left the cupboard very full as far as yeah. offensive line depth and talent in Corvallis. I mean, yeah. you know, you look at the group they're putting together for the bowl game, and it's like, hey, you know, that still could be a pretty good starting five because. I, I think they've had some really good guys in the pipeline. I mean, you think back to even, you know, last couple of years, like Nathan Elu, Luka Vincic, I mean, guys that have already started to work their way in. So I think Adam Hawks and Dylan Sikorsky fit in really well. No, I, absolutely. And Hawks, I mean, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but I mean, you know, taking some two star kids and yes, we're using these as a reference. Yeah. Stars are not, you know, an absolute end all be all kids get missed you know, all the time. It, it happens. Um, uh, they're, they're a good reference tool. They're good for supplement to supplement your information, but they're not an all be all. But I mean, it, it's not like, to, it's not like Oregon state is just taking two-star prospects this cycle right. because uh, they'd had to. It, Oregon, the viewers have always, you know, had some two-star prospects here and there. And a lot, a couple of them had developed into really nice players. Um and I think there's potential for Hawks to develop into a nice player. Um, you know, uh, six foot six, six foot five, 280, still has plenty of room to grow, has time to develop under Kyle Devan with how bare, how full that cupboard is, like you said. Um, uh, and, and you're looking at a guy who has the pedigree uh, of, right. to be a college football player. His dad played at Missouri, his grandfather played at Utah. Now he's the first offensive lineman. Both of them were linebackers, but sure. still has the pedigree to play college football. And I think has a chance to develop into a nice piece for Oregon State. We'll see how that goes. Also competes in discus and shot put and track and field. Uh shows good strength on film. Uh I think there is there's a lot to like about him. Um, it's just going to be one of those guys where it takes a little bit further in more development before he sees field. Sure. Sure. And, you know, moving, moving along to uh, the outside linebackers, uh, we mentioned Will Haverland uh, a little bit earlier, uh, just a couple of things that I have again, uh, Sheldon high school, tremendous program outside of Eugene. Uh, you know, I like guys from Sheldon. It's a very competitive program. Um, you know, Dylan mentioned the stats. I think, you know, Trent Bray kind of, you know, I look at Will Haverland and I say, and I say is, you know, very John McCartan like mole where it's like this guy could grow into a John McCartan in a couple of years, um, maybe even a Corey Stover type, you know, again, like you said, not a ton of production, 29 tackles, three and a half sacks. But again, a guy that, you know, from what we've heard, you know, really, you know, he was like, I mean, this, this is real proof in the port pudding, Dylan. If you can be a Beaver fan growing up in Eugene and going to Sheldon high school, I, I think you're already pretty tough. So, I mean, yeah. uh, you know, again, him saying that he's been a fan since he was a kid, I'm sure this was a dream thing for him. And he's probably going to be one of those guys who, who works extremely, um, extremely hard. And we'll see what, you know, we'll kind of see what happens. But Trent Bray talked about again today, just another guy with, you know, oozing potential. Uh, and then the second uh, outside linebacker as well, um, um, uh, Shamar Makel for coming in from uh, Myanmar, Florida, 
What do you know about him, Dylan? He was a bit of a surprise this morning. Um, but nevertheless, um, you know, Trent Bray seemed to like what they heard from this or what, what, what they knew from this guy. And um, you go back to that production as a senior. It seems to be the recurring theme here. Yeah, and this is a guy that popped up on the radar last week. Uh, John Garcia dropped that on our board. Did, so yep. we appreciate that from John. Um, yeah, I mean, former Indiana commit. So this kid was committed to play in one of Big the ten. best conferences in the country. Um, and and he had a pretty quality offer list to go along with that as well. But that production, 80 tackles as a senior, 36 yeah. tackles for a loss, 26 and a half sacks. Uh, I think that's in his career not in his uh, senior yeah. season alone, but uh, productive throughout his high school career in Florida, playing against some elite talent. And like I said, with Allah, with Texas, this helps keep the Beavers in the state of Florida where, yeah, it's going to be tough to get kids to come cross country. But if you can still keep a little bit of a foothold in Florida, you're going to be fine because, uh, I mean, a lot, a lot of players in Florida go under – overlooked uh yeah and i think there's I, just I think so many he, yeah exactly and he may be uh one of those guys i mean we have ranked as the 91st best player in florida this is a kid who was committed to a big 10 school at 80 tackles as a senior highly productive um and he's barely a top 100 prospect in the state tells you all you need to know about uh, the town in florida um yes rivals reign of 5.7 i mean that's a pretty good rating to have so I, I really like this pickup for the Beavers, uh, and we'll see how how it goes. I think he can turn into quite the uh, pass rusher for them uh, down the road. Yeah. So let's talk about the the two inside linebackers. A Dexter Foster, starting with him, uh, was listed as an outside linebacker in like you know as his recruiting profile goes. Beavers seem to see him more as an inside linebacker. Um, six foot three, two ten. You know, given the guys that got playing inside linebacker, he's probably another guy that. Um, you know, is going to need to put on some weight and kind of work into it. But again, like I said earlier, Central Catholic, um, you know, went there to get noticed in his senior year. And um, I, I really like what, you know, having another guy in Central Catholic, you know, Katana Ladapo was one of my favorite players this last year. I think that program does a great job of preparing guys for the next level. So I like him. Uh, and then uh, Guy Reese Goodman, obviously coming from uh, JUCO, Dylan, this is a guy who I imagine they could have compete for a starting job right away, given, you know, just the, the loss as an inside linebacker this year. And, you know, he's probably a little bit more instant impact than than uh, obviously Foster is. But I, I like these two inside linebackers. They fit the mold of, you know, Trent Bray, the 6'2", 6'3", 200 and some change, uh, being able to play physical over the middle. Yeah, I, I think you put it. Really well there. Right? It, it, I'm going to be interested to see how Foster kind of fits at inside linebacker. I mean, that's sure. a pretty big inside linebacker, but I think you pretty you put it pretty well there. Uh, but I, I think what stands out about him, maybe this is why they like him there, is that he, he's a high football IQ guy. Uh, he really has good reading reaction skills in the in the in, at linebacker. Uh, good athlete, so perhaps a guy they think could play sideline to sideline and be a leader of that defense in the middle there. And then your thoughts on Goodman, obviously. Goodman, the, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the, I, the JUCO I, guy, yeah, yeah, bit of a surprise I, I think, too this morning. And I that huge commitment. I mean, you just looking at the offers alone, um, Baylor, Illinois, Liberty, Marshall, uh, 
West Virginia among his offers, um, th- those are nothing to scoff at. Highly productive um, for Garden City, 59 tackles, two and a half sacks, two forced fumbles yeah. in 11 games. Somebody who's going to be able to step in right away for the Beavers next year, maybe not be a starter, but be a rotational linebacker and play quite a bit for them. And then uh, closing it out, Dylan, uh, maybe it's, it's a, just based on what I can remember, uh, there might not be a, a guy that you had more of an in-depth interview with than Exodus yep. Ayers when you talked to him way back when he committed. Uh, and obviously you were on top of, uh, you know, he's obviously been listed as a wide receiver, played a lot of positions. You knew right away he was going to be a defensive back for the Beavers. Uh, wrote some real good, you know, in-depth stories on him. Make sure to check that out at beaversedge.com. Six foot one, 185. Probably going to need some time. Um, but what do you like about him to kind of close out the podcast? Versatility, but I, I think they must like the six foot one size, particularly uh, yeah. the play corner. I wouldn't be surprised if he does play next year a little bit. I don't know. Really? Saying, I'm not saying start, okay. but I think if, if he. You think become... he's like a pick? He's someone that you could see figuring out of this class, figuring in sooner than later. Yes, absolutely. If it's not next year, absolutely in 2025. Six foot, six foot one, 185. He doesn't have to add too much weight. Um, he shows pretty good, you know, coverage skills, both man and zone defenses. He has great ball skills, very good athlete. Uh, he's uh, he is somebody I can absolutely see playing sooner than than most of the 2024 guys that Oregon State has committed. Um, he he's just uh, not playing the greatest talent in New Hampshire, but he on tape looks quite advanced for than the most uh, cornerbacks. Um, and, and this could be one of those guys that turns out to be quite the steal. Um, now we'll see how how that development goes going forward. I mean, they lost obviously both guys back there on the coaching staff, so we'll see what happens. But um, I think he is definitely a guy to keep a very close eye on over the next two years do you think he would have decommitted if anthony perkins didn't stay on because obviously we saw like you know this is their one db signee but like you mentioned oregon state bit of a unique situation like there weren't too many schools that had a secondary coach and a cornerbacks coach so i'm curious your thoughts do you think because blue was you know one of the first on the plane with jonathan do you think perkins staying and being the DB, you know, secondary coach moving forward. Was that a part of it? You think? Absolutely. Having that familiarity on staff is yeah. going to be huge for him. Uh, and I'm sure if Perkins, you know, would have uh, followed Jonathan Smith to Michigan state, um, he would have, you know, been offered by Michigan state and sure. who knows what would have happened from there. But uh, having that familiarity on staff, absolutely. I think he played a big part in airs uh, being a beaver uh, now. Uh, and, yeah, I, I just I, I think this is a, a prospect that is going to turn out to be a really nice steal for the Beavers, um, and uh, I, I think it's all I got on him. Yeah, like I said before, you know, uh, you know, obviously just reading all your stuff, you know, there was very few prospects that you you know 
got to talk to quite as much as Exodus. So I'm excited to see, uh, you know, what he can do. And I can just tell, you know, listen to you that you think he's going to be someone that uh, the Beavers be really happy to have. And, you know, Dylan, I'm really happy to have you, man, because we were able to uh, break down this entire recruiting class and, um, you know, want to give a big thanks to everyone for checking out this edition of the edge podcast. Make sure to stay locked. Dylan and I are going to be wired into the transfer portal, any other developments that are going on with the Beavs. So again, make sure to stay locked to beaversedge.com for Dylan Callahan Crowley. I'm Brandon Slaughter. Sign off on this edition of the Edge Podcast.